So it's not your imagination, though. It has been extremely cloudy. Yeah, yesterday we uh, had a very nice sunny day, uh, and it was it was refreshing. Uh, but the first week of April uh, in Michigan, uh, in particular West Michigan, we actually set a record for how cloudy it was. <laughs> I'm not surprised because when it gets to the point where I'm complaining about it for multiple days, it's pretty bad. Yeah, the sun has been playing hard to get, I guess, with all of us Michiganders. But yeah, the National Weather Service declared that the first week of April was the cloudiest start that we have ever had for the fourth month of the year, the month of April. Yeah, we only had 7% of possible sunshine uh, the first 10 days of the month in April this year. Wow. The National Weather Service went on uh, a little bit more in-depth with the bad news, telling us over the last three weeks, we've only had about 18% of total possible sunshine, with only two of those days uh, having uh, 50% sunshine. Yeah, that goes back into March. Gee whiz. <laughs> and there were 13 days when less than 10% sun was observed. Yep, uh, but like we said, we had a little bit on Sunday. Uh, Sunday was a nice day, and uh, yesterday uh, it became cloudy later in the day. But uh, early in the day, a couple times we stepped outside here at work and uh, took in some of that vitamin D. <laughs> yeah, and today uh, it's going to be close to 70 degrees possibly. Yep, um, but of course in the forecast, uh, we do have showers and storms. It looks like... I'm trying to look out the window. Right now, it's clear. Yeah, it's pretty clear out there right now, for sure. Um, But it looks like uh, next week, we're going to be partly sunny and uh, highs in the upper 40s to close to 50. Um, And uh, I hate to say it, but uh, (laughs) there is the distinct possibility we could see some snow. Mm. Uh. And that would be, what, that's this weekend uh, into Easter Sunday. And I mean, some Easter's, it's not unusual at all to have snow, but... No, sadly, I've had quite a few Easter's where uh, we had the winter coat on still. Those are usually the Easter's that fall into late March or early Yeah, but we're having a late... Well, uh, according to the National Weather Service, we're kind of below average for the next uh, 8 to 14 days. Yeah, they put their uh, 8 to 14 day temperature outlook maps out uh, regularly. Will it make you feel better if Alaska's below normal as well? No. Because <laughs> they will be too. <laughs> They're used to it. But did you hear about, uh, was it in one of the Dakotas? There's a blizzard warning right now and they were expecting like 20 inches of snow or something crazy like that. Oh, I hope I hope we don't have that. But I, I do believe that's part of what the, the possible severe weather we may have um, tomorrow is about. So that system, that cold front's going to come in. It's going to clash with this uh, warm system that we have kind of sitting over us right now. And that's what's going to cause potential strong storms. Yep. Uh, but the good news is uh, following that uh, storm system, uh, we do have some snow expected at this point in those longer forecasts. Uh, we're not having any uh, forecast for measurable snow or anything like that. I mean, it could change, of course. As we say a lot of times, the further out you go in the forecast, the more unpredictable it is. You know, one thing that's worth pointing out here, just to just to beware, um, while morels love the moist conditions that we have going on right now, mm-hmm. um, so do mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. So thankfully, we have uh, cooler temperatures, so hopefully that's keeping them at bay, but uh, there is that potential as well. Yep. Um, but if you want to check out an article that actually uh, gives a lot of good images of some of these longer range outlooks, uh, including uh, the precipitation, the, temperature yeah. and yeah, seasonal precipitation as well. Yep. Um, it looks as if they're going later into April and May and June. It looks like the precipitation is supposed to be 
above average. Which so. is good. Nothing. As long as we don't have flooding. Uh, I think we've made it past the flooding of the snow melt at this point. So Yeah, the ground has thawed enough for uh, it to soak in. And, uh, well, just enjoy the temperatures the next few days because uh, <laughs> we're going to be getting back into another, yet another cold stretch. Hopefully that cold stretch will come with uh, more sunny days uh, than this record-setting cloudy early April. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm almost relieved to hear that uh, it, it was indeed a record because I'm like, is it just me? Am I just being grouchy? Uh, what's going on? Why has it been so cloudy? And maybe I just notice more clouds than normal, but apparently it's just a for real thing. Lacey, the National Weather Service has your back on this one. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather and news. Good morning and joining us now is attorney Stacy Lott. She deals with estate planning and elder laws. Good morning, Stacy. How are you? I'm good, Lacey. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Temperature's starting to warm up and uh, that definitely makes people happy. Yeah, it makes me happy. That's for sure. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me this morning. Always a joy to have you on. And I know you said you've been getting a lot of calls on this topic. Um, selling your home and when to make that decision and where to move. Right. I've got, I've had a lot of clients come in lately who have been approached by realtors or who know that the market's been really good and they, they're thinking that they might want to sell their property. But then they think, okay, I sell my house because I will get great return on my investment right now. Where am I going to go? Not all of them want to buy a new house. They're thinking maybe they're ready to move into assisted living or adult foster care or, you know, independent living, but they're just not sure what the options are. And there are a lot of options. It might surprise people. Yeah. And in Calhoun County in particular, we're so lucky. We've got so many great options and services for our seniors. But I've just been going over like the different options with my clients so they know what they're looking at. I had a client in last week who um, she's actually great. The only thing is, is that she loses her balance sometimes and she doesn't know what's causing it. We're trying to figure it out, but she still drives. She's still you know, walk, you know, does everything. She, you know, shops for herself. She's mentally perfect. She just isn't sure that she wants to live on her own and her house is getting too big for her. Um, so she's like, you know, I think I want to move into assisted living, even though I'm not quite ready for it yet, because I know I probably will be in the future. Um, but I want to be able to still drive my car and go places and do things. And we, we have, like I said, so many options. So yeah, you could do assisted living if you're in that situation, or you can move into independent living, like senior apartments or certain independent living facilities. There, there are a lot of options for someone like her. Now, when you're in an assisted living facility, you're, you are allowed to take your car and go someplace? Yeah. To- yeah. So it really depends on what level of care you are. So if you're really very low level of care and you just need like, you know, she's worried when she takes her shower that she doesn't want to lose her balance and fall. So she has someone that stands outside the door of the bathroom just in case, you know, and so that's, that's the assistance she gets. She can still do all of her medication. She can still do everything else. It's just that little bit of assistance is what makes her feel better. Or if she does fall, she knows that the rooms that she's in have pull cords, you know, or she could, someone's going to know she fell, you know, so um, that makes her feel better. But yeah, she can still do everything she needs to do. Now, if you're in more of a higher level of care where you can't drive anymore, or you're in a memory care facility, the likelihood of you being able to drive somewhere <laughs> pretty much diminishes. But there, for people who are still pretty active, but just need a little assistance, yeah, they can still do all the things they did before. That might be a bit of a relief for some listening today. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And then, you know, then I've got caregivers at home who've been trying so hard to care for their loved ones um, because they've been afraid to place them in a nursing home or adult foster care or assisted living because of COVID. They've been not able to visit them. And and so I've had caregivers getting sick trying to take care of their loved ones. And now things are opening up so much, you know, they're having trouble finding workers. That's That's for sure. So maybe they're not always taking as many people as they used to because they don't have the workers to to work in the facilities, but they do have empty, you know, rooms and beds available at these places. And, you know, you're, you're going anywhere from independent living, like we talked about, to assisted living facilities, adult foster care homes, skilled nursing, which is nursing homes. Um, some people want to do home care because they're comfortable having people come in their home now. Um, we have the PACE program in Battle Creek, which is senior care partners, which helps um, people you know, get out of the house for the day and go down to the cool center and get therapies and give the caregiver a little respite at home. Um, we just have so many options. Well, I think uh, this is some great news for those of you trying to plan right now. And if somebody has more questions for you about this, how could they get a hold of you? So they should call us at 269-963-8222 or they could visit us at stacylaw.com where we can give them ideas of how to help pay for some of these these different options. All right, Attorney Stacy Lott uh, deals with estate planning and elder law. We thank you so much for joining us this morning and we'll be talking to you again real soon. Thanks, Lacey. Thank you. 95.3 WBCK. Good morning, Brandon. Good morning, Lacey. Sorry, I got kind of caught with a cough there. That was actually my fault. I <laughs> hit the microphone button a little early. Somebody's a little anxious. Want to get the show going, huh? It, itchy trigger finger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bet you're not going to be super excited about uh, some planned work coming. Yeah, a local project in Calhoun County is going to lead to some detours. We've been mentioning it in the traffic reports throughout the morning. In fact, we had yesterday as well. Uh, beginning tomorrow, work begins on the 11-mile road bridge in Burlington Township as well as the 13-mile road bridge in Tecancha Township, Lacey. Yep, uh, the construction is expected to last for about a month for both those bridges, with which both go over the St. Joseph River. Detours are going to be posted to redirect drivers in the area. Work includes uh, guardrail replacement, concrete repairs, as well as some resurfacing on the roadways approaching the bridges. It's not expected to wrap up until May 11th. Yep, so it's an area you're either going to want to avoid or if you live in that area, kind of get used to uh, the detours that are going to be in place. Those two areas. Yeah, and you've got it kind of broken down about uh, the different areas uh, throughout the area, throughout the city and the county to avoid right now. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of them. That's why when we do the traffic report, I usually pick one or two. If I read all of them, uh, the traffic report would probably last Oh, uh, about five minutes. <laughs> I would say uh, this uh, this list here would be very useful for those trying to get around the city and you don't have a lot of extra time. Uh, take a look at this, maybe plan ahead for a day or two and uh, get to work on time or wherever you need to be. Yeah, you can read all of them at 953wbck.com. Um, I'll mention a couple of them here. Of course, uh, the I-94, I-69 interchange in Calhoun County. There's uh, some lanes closed there. Um, but that one will wrap up on Monday, uh, about six days from now. And there's another one that will wrap up on Friday. That's on east and westbound I-94, east of Albion, between M60 and M99 in Calhoun County. They've had some shoulder closures for some maintenance. Uh, but that one will wrap up on Friday. So we do have a couple that are ending soon. Now, we still have not heard specifics for the big project that was announced earlier this year 
on East and Westbound I-94 from Helmer to F Drive North. Uh, they're going to be doing repaving and a bridge replacement, and that's going to be a three-year project. Oh, my. <laughs> it's going to be a big one. <laughs> you know, I did hear with the cost of it, the inflation costs uh, for, for the materials needed for a lot of these projects. It's had them... Um, you know, the different entities rethinking their plans for construction now. Yeah, so we're going to have to see. And we kind of have that as a to be announced uh, until we hear more uh, if that's going to be delayed. Uh, but yeah, lots of projects. I think I've got about 10 of them listed there, including the bridges. Uh, you can read them, uh, get prepared, uh, maybe print it, keep it with you. I don't know. <laughs> it's all at 953wbck.com. And you can also read those closures and construction projects on the app. Very helpful. And uh, your weather today, it's going to be sunny this morning, much needed, then becoming cloudy by afternoon. Winds from the southeast up to 15 miles per hour. Our high today is going to be in the upper 60s. Tonight, showers and thunderstorms likely still windy with a low in the upper 50s. On Wednesday, more showers and thunderstorms. Sun could be strong or severe. We'll have a high in the upper 60s. Right now, we have clear skies and it's 34 degrees. In the 8 o'clock hour, not only will we have our first cash code word for you at around 8.30, for a chance to win up to $10,000. The first one of the day, we will also be talking to Battle Creek Police Deputy Chief uh, Bagley, who will come in and we'll have a few questions with him. It's all coming up on the morning show. From the Police Deputy Chief Bagley uh, this morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you guys? We're doing pretty good ourselves. Uh, nice to see some sunshine. It is. Uh, it's about time. We've uh, <laughs> we've kind of been weathering some chilly weather, so hopefully uh, this will take us uh, nicely into summer. Hope so. Uh, although we are hearing a little bit of a chance for some severe weather, maybe some strong storms tomorrow uh, during the afternoon, evening into Thursday. So we'll have to hope that uh, we don't get anything too bad. Yeah, this this time of year with the spring and everything starting to uh, kind of heat up and the weather patterns, but. It is the time of year for thunderstorms, so uh, like I said, we'll keep an eye on it and, and make sure just everybody stays safe. So, You know, I hadn't planned on uh, asking you about this, but uh, since we're on the topic, um, how does the weather affect you uh, doing police job at this time of the year? Well, I mean, it's a lot better than the winter, so uh, <laughs> and I, think, uh, all the, I think all the officers would agree with that. I, as you start to kind of dig our way out of uh, the kind of the snow and the cold, um, it's a blessing to be able to uh, to see a little bit of sunshine. But any type of uh, severe weather um, always taxes our resources. Uh, but like I said, we've got protocols in place, and um, uh, you know we're we can uh, we can uh, serve through through uh, anything uh, weather related. Yeah, because I would think uh, in an event, you know, like a severe weather event uh, along with the energy crews that have to get out sometimes to make repairs sometimes there's areas of town you may need to go to to block off a certain area if, if a tree fell down and uh, people might not think as much about the police involvement in those kinds of situations well certainly i mean we work hand in hand with our fire department right uh, anytime you get high winds thunderstorms that type of thing you're you're talking about trees down uh, power lines um, so yeah, we will have officers out just to make sure that, uh, people aren't, uh, uh, approaching any of these power lines, uh, making sure that we're working in conjunction, you know, with the fire department, uh, to keep uh, those areas safe. So, um, it's, uh, it's a team effort and, uh, you know, when, when these type of things happen. So, uh, you know, we'd work with all the other area law enforcement agencies as well. So. This is uh, getting onto a different topic now, but um, over the last few weeks, we've seen some crimes involving juveniles, such as uh, windows being broken out at stores on vehicles. 
and uh, I believe uh, a juvenile shot into a group standing outside of a home uh, just last week. And I am curious, uh, what is being done to kind of detour these juvenile crimes? Well, that's a great question. And unfortunately, you know, nationally, we're seeing an uptick in crime. Um, it's not just here locally in the Battle Creek area, but nationally, we're, we're, we're starting to see that. And, and we kind of have been seeing that uh, over these past, uh, you know, several, you know, six, six, eight months or so. Um, you know, I think a lot of this is, you know, is probably COVID related. Um, you know, there's some individuals that uh, are uh, in the community that because of COVID haven't been able to be lodged. That brings challenges, you know, with COVID protocols and everything. Um, it, it, trying to navigate what, you know, COVID and uh, in trying to get resources to individuals that, uh, you know, that, that we need to, to rehabilitate is challenging. And it's been challenging for Gosh, not just for families, but for for police, for fire, for for our hospitals. So you know, as we start to come out of COVID, uh, as we as we start to kind of uh, reorient our resources and and are and are able to uh, you know go in a different direction than we have been, um, you know, we're addressing it through through um, you know just community engagement. Uh, you know, being specific uh, and being, you know, driven by information, evidence-based policing, uh, and really trying to to contact uh, individuals and to to deal with those that are causing, uh, especially violent crime, uh, targeting them specifically within our community. And we do know um, there's were a lot of impacts from the pandemic, um, not just in the community, but uh, with the police department itself, uh, with some challenges, uh, we know that there was um, staffing situations and things like that. Just curious where things are at. Uh, have there been some improvements uh, over the last month or so? Well, we are at Battle Creek Police Department. We are where vast majority of the other law enforcement agencies uh, locally throughout the state and then nationally are. We are in we are hiring people. Right. It's. It's uh, we've had a lot of retirements. Uh, we are trying to attract, you know, good, solid individuals uh, to the business of law enforcement. So um, we are actively recruiting. Uh, and like I said, I just give a plug out. If, if there's a, a, a woman or man out there that is uh, interested in the career of, of criminal justice, please seek us out. Um, you can you can contact. We have two of our uh, top recruiters, officers, uh, Nate Hopkins and and Brad Gentry that uh, kind of uh, are spearheading our recruiting team right now. Uh, and like I said, it is we are always recruiting. We're always looking for good people that can come in and, and serve uh, serve the citizens of Battle Creek. So uh, we're going to be in this hiring process uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, and it's just trying to kind of replenish the ranks. Uh, and um, like I said, we're struggling along with uh, a lot of other uh, industries out there to try and to attract people. Would you say that it's gotten any better Um you know, since we've started to slightly come out of this pandemic? No, I, I wouldn't. I, I think we're probably just from a from a standpoint of an, attracting the numbers. We are probably where we were, um, I would say, 12, you know, a year ago, a year and a half ago. It's just it is it's difficult right now. And, you know, we are. You know, we're we're trying to implement some other things that we can be competitive. Um, and and like I said, we want to attract the best people. We want people of high caliber character, uh, so that you know they're going to be able to come in and, and we'll train them how to be police. But we want them to come in with a you know a kind of a servant leader mentality, and that's going to care and be compassionate to, to serve this community. 
Um, changing subjects a little bit, uh, we're just curious. We, we heard about this story last week, uh, what was described as a brutal beating uh, that led to the death of Ryan Browse. I'm just curious if there's any new information related to that case or anything that you're able to talk about, and I understand if you're not able to. Sure. Um, I can't go into any specifics right now. Um, there's uh, Really, I have nothing new uh, that I can discuss. Uh, I can tell you that um, we are, uh, the investigation is open, it's active, and um, we are getting closer daily um, as we continue to uh, gather more information and, and start to go through that and, and put the pieces of the story together. Um, we are, uh, I'll just say we're getting, we're getting much closer and uh, hopefully here in the not too distant future, we'll, uh, we'll be able to arrive at a conclusion. And I believe uh, in the initial report, uh, the police had said they don't believe there's any threat to the public related to to this incident. No, we do not. And so we're starting to see some uh, return of events and festivals. The Vibe at Five coming up this summer. Uh, of course, the Air Show and Balloon Festival and uh, cereal, the Cereal Festival as well. Um, are there any challenges or concerns for Battle Creek Police when uh, it comes to policing these types of events? Well, I think the, the most significant one that we're facing right now is it's, you know, it's staffing, right? Um, one of the, I'm sure uh, the community is uh, very excited about the, you know, the field of flight that will be coming back here to Battle Creek that we didn't get to have uh, last year. And it's been a while, right? Mm. And that's an enormous event, generates, you know, gosh, tens and tens of thousands of, of uh, people coming to Battle Creek, which is great. Um, but you know, that's, that's taxing on the resources. And, and while, you know, we are, we're starting to, to make those plans right now and, and we'll be fine. We'll be, we'll be prepared. Uh, but it is taxing on the resources of the agency. Uh, but so that's why we start to plan early. Uh, and, and we'll be, uh, we'll be just fine when those, uh, uh, when those, uh, uh, festivities begin. And is it possible too, that there may be some help from, uh, other departments like the sheriff's office or maybe some surrounding communities, things like that to help at some of these events? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, we partner with all the area local, uh, the, all the uh, local jurisdictions here surrounding in the area. Um, you know, the sheriff's department always lends a hand uh, during some of these uh, major um, festivals, and, and like I said, we'll be just fine. And it come on out; it's going to be a great time. And uh, you know, after uh, the last couple two and a half years of uh, kind of being not being able to get together, it's uh, hopefully this will be uh, just a fantastic uh, family venue. Well, we thank you so much for joining us this morning. And uh, before we see you off and let you go to about the rest of your day, is there anything else you would like to add this morning? I want, certainly. Um, I just would like to kind of emphasize, uh, you know, as we start to come out uh, of our uh, kind of the, the pandemic, uh, we are really starting to ramp up our community engagement. And uh, in the weeks and months ahead, I just uh, please stay tuned to the Battle Creek Police Department. Um, we are looking forward to... Uh, kind of uh, getting back out into the community uh, and, and, and just, uh, you know, getting to know the community again and uh, just having uh, just continue to build the relationships uh, that we so much value. Well, and some of these events that we're talking about, you know, Field of Flight and the Serial Festival uh, coming up will give you a good chance to do that as well. Sure will. We look forward to doing that. All right, Battle Creek Police Deputy Chief Bagley, thank you so much for joining us this morning, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. My pleasure. You guys have a great morning. So, uh, big news, and we'd been kind of been waiting to hear about this for a while, and you broke the story yesterday morning, like 
literally right when you were able to. There was an embargo on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the good news, though, uh, Battle Creek Unlimited unveiled a $59 million plan for McCamley Plaza Hotel. It's going to have all kinds of uh, renovations and upgrades happening. Um, I think a little, there's a, you know, some people a little bit, uh, disappointed to hear that, uh, the plaza, of course, is going to be demolished, but they are putting something in its place. Well, and I will tell you, um, I want to say it was about three years ago, I went downtown and, uh, walked through the plaza and it was not in very good shape. It was not a good look. Um, but, you know, people get attached to certain things and memories. And I said plaza, and I meant place. Uh, by the way, McCamley Place. Oh yeah, no, the yes. hotel is not getting. <laughs> yeah, I would be oh. on board if they were going to tear down the 16-story hotel. No, I no. think everybody would be pretty disappointed in that, and everybody's doing everything they can to keep something like that from happening down the road. Yeah, and um, if you look at the photo that you were uh, sent of what this is going to look like afterwards, it's really going to. Uh, boost the skyline of downtown yes. Battle Creek. This this building is going to look absolutely phenomenal. And if you want a better idea of what this is going to look like in the skyline, uh, there is a link to the video um, of some of these images that they've uh, to show what the work's going to look like once it's completed. And uh, some of it does kind of give you an idea of what the, the skyline will look like more. It's going to be a really cool look. Um, and it's going to be what it's transitioning into a Hilton Tree or Hilton? Double tree by Hilton. <laughs> I, was, I had it mixed up. Um, and yesterday, you know, we focused more on the overall project. And this morning in the news, we kind of took a closer look at the job situation. Yes. Yeah, so there are 165 jobs that are going to go along with operating this hotel. And that does not include the internships that are going to be available um, as part of their teaching of the hospitality industry. So in addition to the 165 jobs that are going to be there, there will be uh, internships happening um, as this is part of an educational tool um, that'll be used throughout the state and area. Not to mention the construction jobs too. Well, well, the work's going on and and I think we're going to have to award you your prediction. I I feel like at this point (laughs) between the the things that we've talked about, yeah, I think I got this one uh, (laughs) perhaps. I I still say there's going to be another big one, but... All right. um, my official prediction has already come to fruition. <laughs> Which was that there would be a big boost of jobs in the Battle Creek area. Yeah. And uh, the great news about this is I, I know there are a lot of people kind of concerned, where's this money coming from to, to work on this? And uh, most of this is already $30 million in grants have already been secured um, for this project. And those grants can't be used to fix the roads. They can't be used to fix bridges or anything like that. They are specific to revitalizing buildings such as the McCamley Plaza Hotel. Yeah, and that's over half of the cost. It's a $59 million project. So uh, that's that's a good uh, chunk of money to get this thing started. Yeah, and they're uh, still in the final stages of financing. And so they're working with uh, senior lenders at the Michigan Economic Development Corporation uh, to try to come up with the rest. Uh, some of the contributors so far are W.K. Kellogg Foundation, uh, Miller Foundation, the state of Michigan, uh, City of Battle Creek's American Rescue Plan Act, Calhoun County's American Rescue Plan Act, Kellogg Company, the Calhoun County Visitors and Convention Bureau, Consumers Energy Foundation, uh, Bronson Battle Creek Community Hospital Partners, and uh, Battle Creek Unlimited themselves. Yeah, they were the ones that unveiled this news along with the 50 Capital Ave Development Corporation. And uh, it'll be fun to watch this play out in downtown Battle Creek. Of course, we will keep you posted um, as the work gets underway. They may have some sections of roads that need to be closed off on certain demolition days and 
other things like yeah, that. Yeah, that demolition uh, for the McCamley Place is actually starting this month. Yeah, so not too far away. And again, they hope to have the new hotel open and operating uh, sometime late next year. So it'll be fun to watch unfold. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with a look at your news. A sharp rock? I have not seen one in person, uh, thanks to the kind of videos and photos they can uh, obtain now. Um, we all get to take a look at them more than we were able to before. Absolutely. And uh, I was unaware of this, but did you know that you can actually paddle over shipwrecks in Michigan? Um, well, I guess if they're shallow enough. Right. Or you just mean paddle over it, but you don't see it. <laughs> are these ones you can actually see? I would say both. Uh, I'm going to guess that there are some that you could be uh, paddling over and uh, not see them. And then there are some, especially in the spring. I've heard that the conditions this spring is supposed to be uh, great for viewing underwater shipwrecks. Well, the water would have to be kind of still. And clear. And clear. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you, unfortunately, the Edmund Fitzgerald is not one of these. No. <laughs> that one is down below much further. And we're talking about ones in the West Michigan region as well. Yeah. Um, of course, Lake Michigan is said to be the final resting place of an astounding 1,500 shipwrecks, many dating back into the 1800s or even earlier. Yeah, uh, there are a number of shipwrecks along Michigan's coast and even some in Michigan's smaller channels that uh, you can actually visit by a paddle boat. Um, there's a website uh, that lays it all out, uh, um, Michigan shipwrecks everywhere, and the difficulty and whether or not they can be reached by a paddle boat. Um, there's only one con, of course. Uh, <laughs> they provided an interactive map that only uses latitude and longitude coordinates, which uh, <laughs> the average person might have a little trouble navigating that way. No, I know uh, the basic fundamentals of latitude and longitude. Like, uh, the, I remember the learning equator, <laughs> The equator is zero. I know that. I remember actually being taught how to read a map and locate areas. Of course, spending time in Florida in school, they teach you how to track hurricanes. And so you need the latitude and longitude mm -hmm. in order to do that. Yeah, they're out at sea. Uh, we went over the 45th parallel, which goes through Michigan, which is yeah. halfway between the equator and the North Pole. That's one I know of from living in Michigan. Uh, the good thing, though, um, with that latitude longitude thing, I think if you drop pins... Uh, on the maps area of your smartphone, mm -hmm. it does show you uh, latitude and longitude, but I guess you'd have to match those pins up with uh, the the shipwrecks provided on that site. So <laughs> you could use the map uh, to to get to the latitude and longitude spot as well. It's just a matter of being able to track where you're at in that. Yep, uh, but there's six of them in West Michigan, along with uh, many that are mentioned on that site, and you can check them out at 953wbck.com. Uh, One is called the Nova Dock, uh, yeah. Daisy Day, and a lot of these not too far off the shore. Uh, the one, Henry Court, uh, the Interlochen. Yep, the Helen. Uh, the Helen, yeah, the yep. Manistee. And again, these are all in the West Michigan region, and uh, we have much more details about the shipwrecks and even the story of when they went down. Um, in history, and it's all there at 953wbck.com. Even some videos, too, of some of these shipwreck discoveries. Yeah, and we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with a look at your weather. 
Good morning. Uh, your vascular system or circulatory system is responsible for transporting blood throughout your body. The blood delivers needed oxygen and nutrients throughout the body. And when someone has a vascular condition, either common or complex, it can have effects across the entire body. And joining us today is Dr. Satvik Jahim. He's a physician at Bronson Vascular and Endovascular Surgery Specialist. Uh, Dr. Jahim is part of the heart and vascular team at Bronson. He sees patients in Battle Creek and Kalamazoo. Good morning, doctor. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am well as well. Uh, so what brought you to Bronson? So when I was doing some of my surgical training, I did my training in Detroit. I'm originally from Boston, and I was very comfortable living in Michigan. You know, I had a lot of friends here. I traveled around the state while I was doing my training. So when I completed my vascular training in North Carolina, uh, Haddon Bronson gave me the opportunity to come back, and here I am. Oh, well, we're glad to have you back. And how long has that been now? It's been about one and a half years now. Okay. What is a vascular surgeon and what types of conditions do you treat as a vascular surgeon? A vascular surgeon is a specialist who treats blood vessel disease. We treat conditions such as atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries to improve blood flow. We manage veins and arteries in every part of the body except the brain and the heart. And when would a primary care physician refer a patient to you for care? A primary care provider would refer a patient to us if they're concerned about the circulation to the patient's extremities or abdominal organs, if they're concerned about aneurysm disease, or if they're concerned about the carotid artery disease in the neck, which can be a cause of stroke in patients. And how do vascular conditions affect the body as a whole, and how does care help the body as a whole? So vascular conditions can impede blood flow to the extremities or organs, which can significantly inhibit a patient's quality of life. Uh, A patient may not be able to walk or work due to the significant pain. They can have a stroke. They can develop wounds. So treating these conditions can help alleviate those problems for a lot of patients. Sounds like a better quality of life as well. Correct. Absolutely. And are the conditions you see patients for chronic conditions, uh, do you continue to see your patients over long periods of time? The conditions we treat are usually chronic. The peripheral arterial disease and atherosclerosis we talk about are uh, chronic diseases, and we follow these patients more or less for the rest of their lives. And do you work closely with other specialists and primary care providers when you provide this type of care? We do. We work very closely with the primary care providers, the podiatrists, foot doctors. Uh, we, work, we work closely with wound care, the neurologists, the cardiologists, and nephrologists. The, the, those are the kidney doctors uh, to ensure that we provide a comprehensive care for the patient. And uh, by the way, congratulations, uh, the Bronson team at Bronson Methodist Hospital for being recognized as one of the nation's top 50 cardiovascular hospitals by Fortune and IBM Watson Health. Uh, what does that mean for your patients? Well, the award isn't one that any hospital can apply for. It's a completely independent study evaluating clinical, operational, and patient satisfaction data. To be chosen as one of the top 50 cardiovascular hospitals in the the United States just helps to validate our continued effort to raise the bar on the care we provide to all our patients all of the time. And how would someone find out more about heart and vascular conditions and the care available at Bronson? The best first step is to have a conversation with your primary care physician and ask them about heart and vascular conditions and the care available to you. In addition, you can always visit bronsonhealth.com slash heart. 
There's a wealth of information about heart and vascular conditions, diagnostics and testing, as well as care available in locations across Bronson where you can receive the care. All right, doctor, we thank you so much for joining us this morning and hope you have a great day. So have you ever smelled the corpse flower? Uh, I am thankful to the almighty that I have not. (laughs) You know, um, at one point we had a listener bring up uh, these flowers. They were having trouble identifying. Mm -hmm. Um, They wanted uh, Bob Cower to take a look at them. Okay. And uh, he identified them as being a corpse flower. And I remember I didn't have it in my heart to just dump this poor little seedling, little, little, you know, it was a little more than a seedling Hmm. out. It's a, it's a plant. And uh, Hmm. I tried to find a home for it. Uh, was not very successful. I think we ended up give, gifting it to your best friend's mother, who does a lot of planting. Mm-hmm. Um, and she decided the best place for it was really far away from their house. <laughs> uh, well, there's another one around uh, at the Grand Valley Greenhouse. And again, it's it's called the corpse flower for a reason, because it smells absolutely terrible. Yeah, yeah. Not uh, like there's roses. No, no, not like roses whatsoever. Uh, they say rose by any other name, but uh, mm-hmm. corpse flower pretty much says it all. Uh, it's the time of year where we get excited about uh, springtime and uh, lots of plants growing and uh, flowers uh, thinking about blooming at this time. Well, at Grand, State, Grand Valley State University, they're excited that one of their plants is blooming and it's very smelly. Yep, it's uh, blooming for the first time since it found its home there about seven years ago. Uh, the real name of the corpse flower, the, here we go, Amorphophallus titanum. I think that's pretty good, yeah. Was a do- yeah. Was a donation <laughs> from uh, Professor Emeritus of Biomedical Sciences, Tim Strickler. Yep, uh, when the flower blooms, it gives off a very strong smell of rotting flesh. Mm. The stench uh, is the plant's way of attracting flies, and that's how they get pollinated is the flies landing on it and going over to another one. So it tricks the flies into thinking that it's actually a corpse, basically. (laughs) The plant has a bloom cycle of once every seven to ten years, and when the flower opens along with the smell, it also produces a very deep burgundy flower. The flower bloom lasts about 24 to 36 hours. Wow, that's it. And again, once every 7 to 10 years. I always find it fascinating. These plants are or even some of the... What are those insects that come out only like once every... Cicadas? Yeah. Yeah, there's different broods. Cicadas, cicadas. Yep, tomato, tomato. <laughs> anyway, uh, the corpse flower uh, in bloom right now. At, so people are probably avoiding that area. Um, or flocking to it. <laughs> but I don't... Would you I mean, wear a nose plug, though? <laughs> I mean, I might. I got to be honest. I'd be interested in seeing it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to smell it, but I would be interested <laughs> in seeing uh, the bloom of a flower that only blooms like almost once a decade. I guess yeah. walk in there, hold your breath, take a good look, and uh, hope you can walk out while still holding your breath. Uh, I don't know. There's probably people that, like you said, might even be curious to take in the smell, even though it's awful, just... So they can say, oh, yeah, I, I did smell one of those once and it was not a good day. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, the, the, there's a video, too, that you can kind of check out from the Frederick Meyer Gardens, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a one-of-a-kind thing, that's for sure. Yep. it's uh, If you do want to see and smell the flower in person, the Grand Valley State Greenhouse is open 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. while the flower is still open, although it sounds like it won't be for long. Yeah. If you're visiting, it's at Kinchy Hall, uh, parking lots G and F are the convenient locations to park to check out the corpse flower. Yes. 
uh, 95.3 WBCK. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.